0: After a long hiatus, welcome to episode 61 of Around the League. Man, it feels good to be back on the mic. It's been a while since we've last spoke, American Thanksgiving to be exact, and there is so much that Tuan and I had to unpack in this episode. We could have really recorded for like two or three hours, but who wants to listen to a two or three hour podcast? I mean, we would have been totally fine doing it. Um, But yeah, we sort of had to just crystallize, prioritize what we thought was important. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors being in the front and center of trade deadline talks. It's got us worried as fans. Um, Something's definitely going to happen. That team is getting shaken up and we just sort of go back and forth, talk about, you know, what we are most surprised with um, throughout the first half of the season. So we definitely had a lot of fun recording this episode. We plan on recording a lot more frequently after the All-Star break. And as always, as a listener, we hope you enjoy. Thanks for your support. Take care. Welcome to episode 61 of Around the League. It's been way too long. American Thanksgiving to be exact. And boy, things have changed around the league. When we last connected, the Raptors were a team intact. And the question was, who can they add to get over the hump? Now they are considered the lead domino who could potentially spark a frenzy around the league and free agency. The Nuggets and Grizzlies are separating themselves from the rest of the West and Jokic is making the thought of him winning three MVPs a very, possible, a very possible thing. LA is still drama land as per usual. The Clippers still can't get their stars to play basketball. And LeBron and Shannon Sharp recently pulled off acting performances for the ages. There is way too much to cover in this intro. I can't just give you a whole spiel. In fact, I don't even know where you're sitting at. Ha, ha, ha. True Raptor fans will get that bit. Juan, how you doing, my man? It's been a long ass time. Hey, what's up, baby? What's up? Um, first off, great intro, great
1: intro. Great way to start 2023. Pod with, with, that, with that type of performance and a little sip of wine I can see. Hey, um, dinner wine. Yeah, I've been good, man. I've been good. Like I mentioned to you earlier, I've been hosting uh, my little brother and sister the last three weeks. So just just trying to get back into the groove. Um, but yeah, man, no, I'm, I've been good. We we did a lot, ate out a lot, traveled, basically everywhere in LA that we could, um, went to a few games, went to a few comedy shows, kind of showed them the the entire city. So you no, know, it was nice for them to, come down and celebrate my birthday with me, but I'm ready to, uh, put my head down and grind a little bit. It's been, it's been a minute since I've been able to have some, some time to study
0: and get actually work done. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like this month has flown by and must've been extra hectic for you entertaining all your peoples. Um, I can't even, I don't even know how to encompass what's been going on in the NBA over the last two months. So I think we just do our best to sort of crystallize and summarize the events that have transpired. I mean, guys have been dropping 60, 70. Um, It's been a wild year. And I think we're sort of reigniting these conversations at the right time because I think it's going to get wilder. So why don't we just start the episode, you know, and pick up where we left off. Um, Like we said, American Thanksgiving, what have been the biggest surprises for you? this season and it can be individual performances it can be teams um you name it so there's a lot to cover but if you were to you know pick two or three things let's start with your first what would be the biggest surprise uh thus far for you so there are a few a few of them that
1: stand out in regard to like teams and like individual players i'll start with kind of the the clear cut biggest surprise team i would say um and that's the sacramento kings um a team that i i don't believe i don't think they've made the playoffs in what like since 2005 and like 5 so it's been like 16 or sorry 16 18 years since they've made the playoffs um but yeah a team that especially last year they they were being trolled and um basically talk down on because they made that trade for uh for Sabonis, giving away Halliburton. And I think that trade yeah again, I'm sure you agree that that trade has been a win-win for both teams. And Sabonis fits so well with what Fox and the rest of that crew is doing. Um I think his numbers are like 19 12 and 7 and the Kings are third in the in the West, which is crazy to think. 28 and 21 at the moment, so it looks like they're on track to make the playoffs to be a top six seed, So they don't have to worry about the play in. And yeah, I think just the, the experience with Mike Brown, you know, the former assistant for the Warriors now leading up the, the coaching staff for Sacramento. Um, yeah. Their team looks great. Really great. I saw them play against the Raptors, even though the beat the Raptors did beat them. Um, they just have really good solid players around Fox Sabonis. a bonus. Herder was a huge, huge get. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you can really um, emphasize what a get he was from the Hawks. Just you know, such a great shooter. He does. He's not just a spot up shooter. He actually can like make plays off the dribble, and he's actually a decent playmaker. So um, he was a huge get for them. Harrison Barnes is playing really well. I don't think he's played this well since joining them um, a few years back. So they have like a very complete roster. They're still young. So being third in the West, I'm not sure if that's gonna make they can maintain that, especially with everything that's going on in the middle of the pack there. It's basically wild, wild west like free-for-all in from like third all the way down to 13. Right. So um Kings light the beam, baby. They've been playing well, they've been lighting the beam a lot lately. So um I, I like that little like that little gimmicky like marketing as well, because it's 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 a little fun, especially for a team that's been on uh, on bad times for for a few years now, so yeah, man, let's give it up for the Kings, the surprise surprise team for my end and my buddy Nick from work. He's a big big Kings fan, so I'm sure he'll uh, appreciate the shout out.
0: Tuan, they were my number one, um, which is surprise surprise. I'm not I'm not surprised that you and I had the same uh, same pick, and they were number one for me because they're first in team points per game, third in offensive rating. Uh, being third in the Western Conference, obviously, a big deal, but there's a two-game separation between three and seven. So, I mean, who knows what can happen? Uh, but what what impresses me is their balanced scoring. I believe they have like six or seven guys that are averaging double digits a game, um, and I feel like De'Aaron Fox has really revitalized himself from a career standpoint. He was, you know, the first few years of his league, he was being compared to Russell Westbrook, fastest guy in the NBA. Um, his three point percentage is actually pretty impressive and he's showing up big for them late in games. Now, I think the question everyone is wondering is, you know, is this a first half of the season fluke or, you know, are they actually going to be this elite throughout the regular season? I think coaching the, the coaching of Mike Brown insists in, in stylistically, they have an identity when they play, um, which I think is going to bode well because everyone below them is still trying to figure themselves out. You know, there's so many question marks around the Lakers. Um, you know, if they're going to add players, how Rudy Hachimura Rudy is going to um uh play out for them. Uh the Clippers are trying to find their groove, right? They don't they barely have a consistent roster night in and night out. Um you name it. The if you go down the list, there's question marks kind of surrounding the teams uh, below them, and I think with with Sacramento, the one thing that they have going for them thus far is health, continuity, good coaching, and just a bunch of guys that, you know, no one's really trying to make a big name for themselves. You know, I think De- De'Aaron Fox is comfortable in his own skin. Sabonis is definitely comfortable in his own skin. I would have actually had him as a all-star starter, but we can talk about that later. But yeah, you know, I think I think there's definitely... Some positivity in Sacramento, and I, I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's kind of like, you know, a one-hit wonder.
1: Yeah, that's a great point in terms of like all the teams below them with some sort of question marks. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, again, they have been pretty lucky with health. Like Sabonis has not play. I know he uh did he br- like break a finger? Like he broke something or he hurt something? But he he he's been playing through it. So I know Sabonis was hurt. So um, but yeah, like you mentioned, all these other teams below them have either a big injury that's going to be there for a while, like the Devin Booker injury, um, Zion, not sure when his timetable is for him to come back. But yeah, I, I like what they're doing. Like they, they're just consistent. They haven't like um, had a long losing streak. They've been consistent at home. They're 12 and 10 away. So they're playing really well um, on the road which is a really good sign uh, because even like the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are 11 and 15 at home or sorry, away. And the Nuggets are 12 and 12 away. So all these teams that are at the top of the West play really well at home, but struggle on the road. And just from looking at the standings right now, the Kings have the best road work in the, in the West, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's a definitely huge indicator of how far they've come um, this season as a team that they can win on the road um, and still take advantage of their home court of, or yeah their home court when when they do play in Sacramento so yeah big ups to them I really like what's going on with them hopefully they can keep um, like a top six seed, and
0: you know make some noise in the playoffs yeah and before we go to our next topic you know shout out Keegan Murray big bright spot for that team he's smooth he's a
1: uh, he reminds me of like a uh, what's his name? Um, Jameson, Antoine, Antoine Jameson, kind of like that, like rangey four. I'm not sure how he looks defensively, but he's shooting the three pretty
0: well. Any yeah, old, I mean, it's going to be interesting for that team to decide, like, is that something they want to nurture? Is that something they want to use as a win now piece, right? No,
1: I don't think so. They're still so young. Like, how how old is Sabonis? Sabonis can't be that old. Fox is not that old They they they, and you don't know how much, you don't know what like Murray can become, but yeah, that's who he reminds me of just like top of my head right now. Like just like a really like smooth perimeter player that shoots the three is a big that can still like battle on the boards, but he's definitely more perimeter, like three point shooting big that is is helping them out, especially with Herder, Malik Monk, uh, Harrison Barnes. Um, Yeah. They put a really good roster around those two, two main pieces.
0: Absolutely. All right. What do you got next?
1: All right. So I'm going to switch over into the East. And though the East is kind of shaping up the exact like exactly how we predicted, because it looks like, you know, the the usual suspects, Celtics, 76ers, Bucks, Cavs, obviously, with with uh Don there. I think the biggest surprise, um, even though they're a top four team right now, uh, are the Nets. Um, I, I think just A lot of people obviously wrote them off in the off-season. Questions mark, question marks with Ben Simmons, even though he hasn't been playing well at all. Um, Obviously, question marks with Kyrie. He's been playing amazing. He's been leading that team since KD's been hurt. And then, yeah, having Jacques Vaughn as a head coach, obviously has, you know, changed things around for them. Um, Just giving them a new direction after the struggles with Steve Nash. And I think, you know, what they 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 added really good players in the offseason. Um and they they their they their roster looks pretty good. It was just more like how are they going to play together, especially with all the shit that happened last last season. But Nick Claxton has shown up. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. Um I'm trying to think like TJ Warren coming back from his surgery. He was out for like a year and a half. Them getting Royce O'Neal was a big, big get, too. He had a big three-pointer or a big bucket like a few games ago. So I think these guys are all coming together. Um, Still, like Joe Harris, Seth Curry, they got good players, great role players, Patty Mills even. So it's just how does KD look when he comes back? How is Kyrie going to continue to play? Is there going to be any issues off and on the court? And then more question marks with Ben Simmons. I know... He hasn't been shooting the ball well. He's kind of, I think he's kind of lost it, which really sucks. But he's also been hurt for, or he wasn't hurt, but he was hurt slash off of last season. So I don't know. I don't know where his mental is right now, but he's definitely a big component of what they can do. And he probably unlocks a lot of things they want to do defensively and offensively, even if he's not looking at the basket, just the way he is able to uh, play make, run the offense off a, off a rebound and just fighting guys. Cause I know last, uh, the year before when, uh, when he was actually playing the whole season, I think he led the league in three point made assist. So that's huge for a team like this that relies on the three a lot. So yeah, I like the nets. I think just for a team that really was, um, on, on the, on the downside there for, for the offseason and most of, or for portion of, the regular season, I think they picked it up like crazy. I think they were 21 and three or 18 and three, sorry, at one point before Katie got hurt. So they're looking hot, but yeah, the East, not too many surprises outside of the Nets and
0: unfortunately the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing uh, we should probably cover with regards to the Nets is just how unfair that Steve Nash firing was. When you look at their recent success and how much it has to do with guys that are actually playing, i.e. Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving's playing phenomenal basketball right now. As a 1A with Kevin Durant injured, he's being a leader. He's doing all those things that everyone has been waiting on Kyrie Irving to do. Unfortunately, doing due to distraction A, distraction B, and distraction C, we haven't been able to see in over a year and a half. Um, he's been a walking distraction uh, for the team. Uh, for himself, for the media, and it's really unfortunate that we are crediting Jack Vaughn and the Nets because guys are deciding to play again, and people are now becoming healthy. You know, had we just waited things out and sort of overcome all the smoke that was lingering around that team for the first two and a half months, I don't think Jack Vaughn's really doing anything stylistically, schematically different. That's a star-driven team, talent-driven team, and the talent is just on the court. <laughs> Whereas, you know, for the first two and a half months of the season, the talent wasn't on the court. Like, I feel like it very really is that black and white. And unfortunately, people were getting very impatient and out goes Steve Nash. I don't know who, what, if it's that black and white, to be honest, because I, I was listening to The the
1: Old Man and Three with, with Freddie Van Vliet, um, and he mentioned how that the Nets team from earlier this season looked defeated. They looked like they were, you know, out of it. And then since firing Steve Nash and hiring Jacques Vaughn, bon, um, and can we also, like, quickly talk about how they wanted Ai um, Madoka, like, as, as a potential coach? Like
0: <laughs> No, but the thing, the thing is, they looked defeated. Like, the first half of the season, they were probably going to every arena, and people were talking about anti-Semitism. Everyone was talking about uh Kyrie Irving's you know recent tweet and like how could you possibly uh be focused on the game when everything for the first couple months of that season was about one guy
1: no that's fair that's fair I think it's a little bit of both but no you're right the 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 distraction that he had on that team even I think the heart like Harden being moved for Simmons um
0: Was that this season? No, that was last season, right? No, that was last season. Last
1: season. I just mean, like, because of the whole thing that happened, like, even James Harden, who's, you know, a disgruntled star in his own right, wanted to leave the team, you know, and they're best friends with KD and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that that distraction from last season definitely uh, trickled down into the beginning of the season. But it looks like people kind of forgot what happened with Kyrie. Now people are kind of marveling at what he's doing on the court, kind of what he's always done in the past. Without all the without the noise and the fluff, so yeah, yeah man, I'm no, just glad he's able to just be out there and play great basketball. Because when you watch him play, he's so he's he's amazing,
0: man. He's amazing. amazing when he's on the court. And I get why I and I like that pick, you know, as a as a team that's you know fourth in the East and they've overcome a lot. But you know, it's going to be interesting because you wonder Kyrie's a very fickle dude, man, and you wonder how much of this is bullshit you know, this type of play, because he's always been able to do it. How much of it has to do with his contract extension at the end of the year? Is he just kissing ass? And then the minute he's got an extension, he's just back to his old ways. I really can't trust him. And I can't imagine what it's like from a front office perspective. Yeah, Sean, Sean Marks is shaking in his boots right now, hoping that
1: nothing happens. Nothing happens from now till the end of the regular season, for sure.
0: But, but if it does, like, do you re-sign him after everything he's put you through? Like, how who who knows what outside factor will trigger something that affects his ability to play basketball?
1: Yeah, no, you're you're totally right, and I the the, the, the only thing the Nets can really do is just cross their fingers and hope nothing. Nothing of that nature comes up, but that's kind of like the the fun part of this team that you don't really know what's gonna happen. You don't know what Kyrie's gonna do. You don't know what Katie's gonna comment on Twitter. You don't know, you know, what Ben is gonna wear uh, on the bench when he's when he's hurt. So they, they just have a lot of a lot of moving parts that you know make make the team interesting. But yeah, man, I'll I'll give them a nice little little boost of confidence in in terms of the way they've been playing. But yeah, you you have a team. From from the east or west that that because I'm I'm assuming you didn't have the Nets uh, as uh
0: as no I had I a different team, team. Um, I had a different team and then we can either go back to you or I want to segue into into another team but uh, the last time we spoke I thought they were going to be a hot mess this team because I was talking about issues that were um, surrounding like chemistry between Harden and Embiid uh, Harden was showing signs of like super high usage. And Embiid was looking dis- like pretty disinterested for the first like month of the season. Um, so listeners know that I'm not a big fan of the Sixers, but I believe they've overcome some obstacles this far into the season that are actually beneficial to the postseason, especially when you're on like a championship journey. Um, and I think those three things are Doc's decision to bring Maxi off the bench and him being okay with it. I think that's huge from a just a togetherness togetherness perspective. Um, i.e. like Man and Ginobili and they've overcome some, inju- they've overcome some injuries um, all the while staying consistent and Joel Embiid's back to MVP form and to be honest he's looking pretty damn scary right now they're 11 and 3 in the month of January and I think they're actually in a really good place going into the second half of the season I never thought that I'd be saying this but I think the 76ers are actually in a really good spot especially with trade deadline like you know, they can just keep this thing going. Or if they want to get rid of like a Matisse Thibel who has zero purpose for that team right now, um, they might be able to um, send him over to a team that could actually use him. So, you know, I do have a future on the Sixers winning the championship. I think the odds are stacked against them because I don't trust Harden and Beat and Doc Rivers on the same team. But if we're going to go, you know, into a, into a magnifying glass right now, I think short term they're actually looking like a pretty impressive team.
1: They do look good. And uh I want to call out a like a maybe a trade that not a lot of people um brought attention to, but that was that was the uh DeAnthony Melton trade. I think it was like a first round pick and Danny Green, if I recall, um to Memphis for for Melton and he's starting like you mentioned, he's starting over Maxie now and I think he just brings that um more like a veteran presence, as well as um, his, his three point shooting. He's shooting like forty percent from the from the three this year. So, you know, having an older guy that knows his defensive rotations that can make the open three um, definitely helps a team that is already kind of like loaded on the offensive end. Like you said, James Harden is playing really well. I don't. I don't. People. I think maybe some people are downplaying his season just because of all the of all, all that shit that he uh, took the league through in the last two years, you know, requesting a trade out of Houston, basically getting traded out of the out of New Jersey or New York, New Jersey, whatever. Um, and now he's, yeah, he's averaging 21 and 11 with six rebounds. Like, sure, the scoring numbers are down, but you don't need the scoring numbers to be up because you got Joel Embiid, who's leading the league in scoring. And then you also got Tobias Harris. So you got Tyrese Maxey scoring 20 points off the bench so if he just continues to play and facilitates you know be able to kind of hit those mid-range floaters pull-ups that he's you know that we're so used to him making and just be selective in the way he attacks and you know finding the right time to take over when he needs to but also spreading the ball because they're they're so um on the offensive end right and then defensively they're pretty good. Like still they got PJ Tucker, who's going to guard the best player and kind of want to bring up uh, the fact that for the majority of the game against Denver, it wasn't Embiid that was guarding him. It was uh PJ Tucker that was guarding Jokic. Right. So I know that game um, got a lot of, got a lot of talk and attention because these two guys are going at each other as, you know, third in the third in the East, first in the West. Um, MVP race. Um, so D- M B definitely took took this one here. And I, I wonder how much of an impact that actually um leads itself into as the discussion like um tightens up with with that race. I wonder if that's with that, that battle how MB basically dominated Jokic and they got he got the W, hit that game winning kind of not winning, but like the the shot the shot to kind of close the game. Um, I wonder how much that's going to impact um, some of the voters, but uh, Joel Embiid is going to have, he's top three player right now, him, Giannis, Jokic, probably top three players in the league right now, I would say. And then, yeah, like, like all the other guys i mentioned, like everyone's playing well, no one's like playing below expectations right now. And, but again, yeah, like you said, the playoffs is a different beast. We still haven't seen Harden do it. We haven't seen, um, Doc do it in a long long time. So it'll be interesting once we get to that point, but as of right now they look like a pretty strong regular season team if they can keep those two main guys healthy. Yeah, like I
0: think it's pretty interesting that that adjustment was probably the adjustment of the year. Um the the first half regular season defensive adjustment of the year was PJ Tucker on uh was PJ Tucker on uh Jokic And I didn't watch the game, but I watched like the recap, the seven to ten minute recap of that game. And the one thing that stood out to me was, and again, this won't be popular in our chat group. And I think the world knows how much we love Jokic. And it was just one game. But at the same time, I'm surprised he didn't cook P.J. Tucker. And it's not alarming, But it's definitely like, okay, they're going to play one more time this year, I think. okay, that's something that we need to see change because, you know, that will affect the MVP race a little bit. Only because Joel Embiid didn't just have a good game in 37 minutes. He had 47, 18 and five. So like he was he smelled blood and it just didn't look like Jokic had that same intensity. I mean, 24, eight and nine is not that bad, but it's just not what we're used to seeing from that caliber of uh of superstar, right? So I don't know if I personally would, you know, decide who's MVP off that game, but I think you're definitely like the gears are turning in the back of your head a little bit. And unfortunately yeah. it is that way because if you're one of those media guys that are that have voting uh ability, like you're you're gonna it's gonna, you know, sway your thinking a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well we all know the league is just all about narratives you know what's hot, what's current. And that's what's current right now. I'm sure it's going to be brought up again once they play each other in that final matchup. Uh but again, they're both so different like so different in the way they play anyways. Like Embiid is more of a bruising big man who's going to, you know, score in the post much more often than Jokic will. And Jokic is looking to pass half the time anyways. So it really depends on 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 that what what what, you know, what what comes of that, but Yes, definitely interesting to see what that second game will look like, how those both those teams end up in the regular season. I think that's a huge thing. If 76ers are first in the East, if Denver's first in the West, that's going to be a tight battle. Even though they're top two, top three, I think if their record is um, close um, with like in the wins column, I think that's going to be a big factor too. So that's something that we should keep an eye on. But yeah, it's it's. I'm, I'm glad there's a bit of, uh, um, traction in the MVP race. Cause it looked like Jokic was going to take that for a while. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for Joel b too. Cause it was, it was a pretty badass performance, um, to just go out swinging like that and and drop 47, 18 and five. Like when you when for arguably two years, you've been, you know, one of the runner ups. For MVP, and this guy's just kind of always eclipsed you and everything, right? So you, I like it because it just shows that there is animosity. You can't say there isn't. You know, you can't say that both these teams are not pissed, like you know, you know, take each other various very seriously.
1: No, for sure, for sure. Embiid is looking, yeah, he's he's looking for blood. He's he's looking to take that crown away from Jokic, and yeah, we'll see, man.
0: Yeah, well, do you have another team? Because otherwise, we can just segue into.
1: Yeah, let's great. I, I into, think a team that we into, both need
0: to talk about, and yeah, yeah, man, it's the uh, it's the one and only, it's the Toronto Raptors. It's why we're here. It's why we do this. Um, it's pretty shocking that they've done this 180 because every talking head that I think you and I listened to preseason had them going over their 45 wins that Vegas had them at going into the season, and they're currently 23 and 29, sitting at 12th in the East. Um, always known for their you know, not super tall, but every player is sort of six nine, six ten, long wingspan. Um, you know, we take them, we take them as sort of a defensive di- identity. But they're twentieth in defensive rating right now, eleventh in offensive rating. They are truly right in the middle, looking into the play-in tournament and nowhere close to landing Wembenyama. So, as a Raptor fan, and you know Masai, this is probably driving him crazy. And here we are, one week away from the trade trade deadline. And they are considered to be the lead domino that could that could set this thing on fire. But the interesting about interesting thing about the team is we're on a western road trip. Okay, it hasn't been going that bad. And we can definitely be sellers because we have pieces that every team is kind of drooling over in Freddie Van Fleet, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, but we're also buyers with all our with all our draft picks. So it is truly. It's truly a clusterfuck. And and the thing is, you know it's very difficult for the front office because yesterday the Raptors were playing Phoenix, Masai Ujiri and um and uh Damon Jones. Is it Damon Jones? Who's their who's their GM? Uh, uh Bobby Webster. No, no, um, oh, th- uh James Jones. Sorry, James Sorry. Jones. Masai and James Jones were seen exiting the tunnel together uh mid-game. So there's a lot going on. It can't be easy for front office. It's definitely not easy as a fan right now. Um and it's actually kind of funny because if you're a, if you're a big market fan, you know, if you follow the Lakers or if you live in LA, this is your life 24/7. You know, you go on a five-game losing streak and people are talking about your your head coach is, is uh, you know, his career is fate. And that's what we're seeing right now. You know, Shams talking about Nick Nurse Sham's talking about this guy that guy. It's funny to see this as a yeah, Raptors no, fan, but here you know we are.
1: It is. It is. It's 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 funny cuz in what we we've, we've been pretty privileged uh for the last what 8 9 years. Yeah. So the I question
0: Twan, think- I want to ask you is are we blowing it up? How, where do you see this team going in a week? Man, there's
1: this there's actually way too many variables to to consider here cuz they are like legit right could they can be buyers. they they could be buyers because they have all their draft picks. They have pieces that they can move to make an upgrade if they need to make an upgrade at the big spot if if they need to trade Freddie and upgrade somehow at the point guards spot, I don't like I don't know. there's there's a lot of things that they can do. But then on the other spectrum, again, the way that they're playing, seventh worst record in the league. So they have the seventh best percentages at the moment of getting Wemby. So, I think um, I know from reports that they are waiting to finish off the seven-game Western or West Coast road trip. So they're two and two right now on that trip. Beat Sacramento. Um, who did they beat the other night? Sacramento and the King, or no, the Kings, and then Blazers. They beat the Blazers, and then they lost to. Uh, Golden State and the Suns they're playing they're playing competitively it's not like the teams quit on Nick Nurse or anything it's just they don't have someone to close you know what I mean and that's been that story since Kawhi left they just haven't had anyone to create a shot within the last minute or two of the game you know against the Warriors against the Suns as of last night they were right in it they were right in it until you know they they couldn't they couldn't make that one play and that's the consistent theme for this entire season, is they're getting great offensive production from Siakam, Scotty Barnes is picking it up, Freddie's picking it up, uh, Gary Trent Jr. is playing really well, probably the best season of his career, OG's value's never been higher, he's probably the number one great prospect candidate um, heading into this trade deadline, so. They got a lot going on their team that can be really good, but how do they get to that point? Like, how do they get rally Beal? How do they get like a, I don't know, a Zach Levine. Do you want like, is Zach Levine going to move the needle for this team? They just need someone like a KD, but uh, I don't know. So- someone that can sh- sh- make the shot when they need it. And they have like the best supporting two, three, four, five guys in the league. They're just missing that one A guy. So if they can't find that, I think they do break it up just because of how much value OG has. Just from the reports that I'm hearing right now, three first round picks, and maybe salary dumps or just salary fillers for OG. Freddie is a Freddie and Gary Trent are um, restri- or they're going to be free agents after this year. I believe they have a player option, um, which they won't pick up. They're going to get paid a lot of money. So depending on what Masai and Bobby have in mind, um, either they trade, I think it's the one or the other. They go big and get one massive player, like a Bradley Beal or someone in that um capacity, or they blow it up and they trade OG, Siakam, and just build around Barnes, Gary Trent, and whoever else remaining. But it sucks because the Raptors... Like, their starting five is pretty good. It's just their bench is abysmal. That's the one thing that I'm going to have to, like, say is, like, the biggest, you know, um, fault of the the front office is that they haven't been able to, one, get a backup guard for Freddie. And that's why Freddie, Siakam, um, OG are playing huge minutes. Siakam is leading the league again in minutes. He's averaging, like, 30-something points – or, sorry, 37 – uh minutes per game and he led the league in uh minutes last year and the, he's leading the league again in minutes this year so we've definitely see, seen him cool down a little bit since the new year like he was on such a toward pace and start um to the season uh but yeah their bench man their bench they're just t- like malachi flynn delano banton as your secondary guards that ain't gonna cut it uh boucher and um Hernan Gomez as bigs coming off the bench that that ain't going to cut it either so that's definitely their weakest part of that team is just their lack of of depth outside of the starting 5 like they have a strong starting 5 but yeah there's just so many things to consider i don't know i really don't know i think just with the value that og has i think they might have to blow it up just because to take to get that much value for OG and then be able to get something for Gary Trent or Freddie or even Siakam, whatever that, that, um, yeah, those, th- that whatever that looks like. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm yeah. leaning towards blowing it up, but I really have no idea.
0: <laughs> I think, I think it's going to, yeah, there's so many things cause it can, it can really go either way. I think, um, there's a hybrid approach with regards to getting rid of Van Lee, Cause I think that's a necessary evil as hard as, as hard as it is to say, um the thing about Fred Van Fleet is there's so much mileage on a small guard and we've talked about this so many times where you know Chris Paul you see it too where you get later on into the season and you know being a small point guard in the NBA especially with how athletic the game has become it takes a ton of energy and sometimes you know later on in the season especially in playoff times you see those games where they just look a little too fatigued and in Chris Paul's sake it leads to injury right so I think with Van Fleet, the hard part is he's entering an ex- he's entering an extension. He's, you know, re he's found a new agent, and I think he's probably looking for four years, twenty five to thirty a year. Yep. And I don't think that's realistic for the Raptors, just given his stature, as as uh, as shallow as that may sound, coming from a <laughs> coming from a fellow shouty, but. Um, but it's tough, right? Because the truth is logging on that many minutes on a guy with his physique is going to lead to diminishing returns long-term.
1: Yeah, and I also think um, the the growth and development of Scardy Bonds as a playmaker, that's probably the biggest, the biggest bright spot for me this year is to see how he's bounced back from that sophomore slump and just since January, he's been, he's January has been the best month of his career. You know, he had an outstanding, uh, remarkable rookie of the year campaign. We had a lot of expectations for him, for him. having him as, you know, um, a trade piece and possibly that KD trade in the summer as well. Just a lot of hype. And I know he hasn't um, reached that point, but he's gotten a lot better. Uh, but I think just even him as, him and siakam as two big guys that can um pass the ball can handle the ball on the perimeter kind of makes again makes freddie not as valuable as as if you just had two regular bags that either shot the ball but couldn't create or you know a defensive bag that rebounds right so it's a weird dynamic they have they have good playmakers they just don't have a a shot creator well the problem too
0: the problem too is we saw this when freddie got injured might have been a month ago. Freddie was injured. We were calling it the long boy roster, (laughs) right? And they were playing fantastic because the ball was snapping. It was getting out of hands really quickly. And I think, you know, Masai said this on record so many times. His favorite player is OG for the Raptors. You know, when they drafted him and for the first couple of years, he's always said his favorite player on the Raptors is OG Ananobi um, just because of his versatility. And I think what happens is OG's frustration as a Raptor has always been that he's the fourth, sometimes fifth option. Because what happens is Freddie, Freddie dominates the basketball much like Kyle Lowry did. Next, you got Pascal Siagam that needs to get his 25 to 30. He's the best player on our team. And then I don't know why we'd get rid of Gary Trent Jr. When he's a playmaker, he's a shooter, he's a great defender. He steals the basketball. He does so much for the Raps that why would you get rid of Gary? So I think I think really what happens is you get rid of Fred Van Fleet, next thing you know, OG Ananobi is now a third option. Sometimes the second option, he can get those looks that he's not getting night in and night out. So people are saying, you know, OG's not a consistent shooter, but it's tough to be consistent when you don't know how many touches you're going to get night in and night out, right? So I think there could be sort of a hybrid approach where, you know, we trade Van Fleet, we use some of our draft picks, and we sort of add to the core of Scotty. Gary Trent, Pascal, and OG. I think that, you know, there's a reality there. Um, And the last thing I want to say is it'd be nice to have Bradley Beal, but that fucking guy's got a no trade clause, believe it or not, which is just insane. So um, I don't think that's happening, but I think there is a reality where the Raptors are are buyers. And, you know, the one thing I want to say is I I was kind of laughing and reporters are like, oh, you know, Messiah and Bobby are just waiting to see how this Western, uh, you know, this Western, uh, road trip plays out. Like not a chance. These guys have a vision and they are kilometers ahead of reporters. Not light years. No, (laughs) maybe light years, but it's (laughs) funny because, um, I forget what podcast I was listening to, but someone, I think it was Tim Bontemps spoke to Danny Ainge and was like, Utah's playing so well. Does this influence, any of your decision-making going forward. And he just like scoffed at the question because, you know, short-term success means nothing when you have championship aspirations. So as much as we want to like micro-focus on this road trip or, you know, little things here and there, the Raptors have a vision that I think they're trying to execute. And unfortunately, I don't think Freddie Van Fleet's a part of it as much as I love him and everything he's done. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And I also agree with the fact that you like gary trent jr as much as i do i i think people forget that he's like 23 years old yeah because he's because you feel like he's been a, he's been around a lot or a long, a long time because he was with portland he was part of that, that like team with McCollum and um dame and he was like that third third um bench guy or the, the first bench guy uh third guard um but he's he's Awesome man. He's so good. In terms of just like shot creation, maybe it's just because of lack lack of shot creation for the Raptors that are Marvel at the times he's able to like pull up from a three or like step back or just drive to the basket and, you know, have a, have a nice tough finish. But he's actually a, a player that I really like and I definitely want him to be a part of the roster to grow along Scotty Barnes. Again, I don't know what Siakam's going to where Siakam's going to be, where OG, where Freddie's going to be depending on what the trades look like um but but going back to your comment with danny ainge in the jazz a team that's 26 and 26 right now and they're right in the middle of that you know that battleground with all the other teams in the west i have no doubt that they're going to trade
0: oh they're selling all their their assets they're selling Selling everything everything. yeah they're They're selling selling. everything
1: yeah they are selling everything they they've been this is the best case scenario for the jazz they're going to just go on like a 20 game losing streak after they trade trade all the like Mike Connolly, they're gonna trade um who uh Clarkson, they're gonna they're gonna look to get as much value from these guys, Malik Beasley, all these guys that have been playing out of their minds for them, um and build around Lori Market. And hopefully they're they're probably just hoping that they're top or bottom five team and get lucky with either Scoot Henderson um with Wemby or one of like the the Thompson twins. So yeah, no I totally agree. The, the the Jazz are in a great spot, and Danny Ainge is definitely thinking that far ahead. They're they're, they're going to make m- massive moves at this trade deadline and plummet down the standings for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they did it with dignity too, right? Like you know, and a, a part of that that response that he gave was, you know, we're not taking anything away from these guys in the locker room um, because you can't, right? You you want them to add value or add, you know, build value for themselves, so that when it comes trade deadline. Man, you you can plug in five or six of those guys on a lot of teams and it changes the the course of that team's um you know future so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting for sure because I think there's gonna be a fire sale in, in Utah. I don't think a lot of people are talking about it enough because it's crazy. So much focus on the Raptors, man. You you listen to you listen mm-hmm. to, to Zach Lowe, you listen to um uh the <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the hoop collective. What's his name? Uh Winhorse. Yeah, Brian Winhorse. <laughs> um, and just all of them. Everyone, everyone says the Raptors are the lead domino. The Raptors are gonna, mm-hmm. you know, create the pace for trade deadline. And I don't know. But then again, this happened with Kyle Lowry and nothing happened. So I think it's a low, oh, yeah, I, it I is a little different. It's a little different. We can't, it's,
1: it's Lowry. It's, it's Lowry. I don't know. It's, it's, it's Kyle. So I think you, have to, you have to,
0: do you truly believe that there's a future or a possibility that Fred Van Fleet stays on the Raptors? I personally don't. I don't think so. Just because
1: if, if we're kind of having the same mindset as Masai in terms of like long-term success. You don't want to give him a contract. You want to trade him for something. And if your team's not going anywhere right now, and you can't pick up that one A star with whatever pieces you have, then you do that move. Because you, again, you don't want to be committed to that four or five year extension when he's going to be in his thirties. I don't think he's going to have the same career arc as Lowry. Um, you know, playing well into his mid thirties. And yeah, I just think that they just need a a, a new vision, a new new look. I think it's just, yeah, just hasn't worked out since Lowry's. Like last year was decent, but they still lost in six in the first round, and yeah, they just haven't been the same off season since um, Kawhi left.
0: Yeah, and outside
1: outside of the bubble season, I guess, but it's been tough.
0: Yeah, and I don't see why we can't pay OG. You know, it's just one of those things where we talk about his um, his happiness on the team. I mean, I wouldn't be very happy if I was OG. He's so talented defensively and offensively, but unfortunately, he's just so low on the depth chart in terms of getting touches and and getting plays ran for him, right. Um so I think we just have to be more intentional about making him a little bit more of an offensive focus. and I just I just don't see why why we trade him. But we'll see,
1: yeah, it's funny because you all you hear about is how valuable it is around the league. like just why not just keep him on that contract that he has. Remember, Talking about like talking with you, I think it's like four years, seventy-two million dollars or something, which is a bargain relative to the the recent signings that we've seen. But
0: and one thing for sure is with Masai and Bobby is, you know, they always zag. (laughs) You know, they're always they're never thinking what the mainstream media is thinking. So I'm I'm expecting surprises. I'm hoping for some surprises. I just want a little bit of a shakeup, man, because. It's really hard to watch this team right now. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really tough hard. brand of basketball. It is because they can't shoot.
1: When it, when you drill down to it, just can't shoot. They have good players. They have great supporting young players. They just can't shoot.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, we'll see. We'll see in about a week.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. It, what, the is the deadline is the ninth, right? Is that the ninth or eleventh? The ninth, right? Ooh, it's gonna be a. It's gonna be a fun week, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll never forget eating lunch and acquiring Marc Gasol.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was a uh, again. See, like those moves are obviously not, like we know we we like remember those moves because it led to that championship. But those type of like mid season trade deadline moves are so big, especially for the the, the setup right now with the West and the East, the the championship is way open. I don't think it's been this open in a very long time for any team to just come up and grab it. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about how how um, tough the West is looking. Like, if, if any of those teams make a move, the Suns, Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and just get an OG, then, man, that's tough. That's, like, imagine the Suns with Mikel Bridges and OG on the wing. That's tough. You know, imagine him being incorporated with the Grizzlies or the, or the Nuggets, just, you know, firing on all cylinders already and having another guy that can make the three defend on the perimeter, give you, he, he's, he's probably a top three, top five defensive player right now. You know, he's in the, he's in the discussion for defensive player of the year. He's been hurt a little bit, but still leading the league in assists or sorry, in steals, total steals. Um, yeah. I think it's
0: probably a really good time to sell Yeah. Well, if you're like, if you, I'd say the smartest guy in media about anything trade related, you know, you get a lot of guys that talk about hypothetical trades, but when it actually comes down to like the transaction and what's feasible via trade picks and this and that it's Bobby Marks, right? Mm -hmm. He's definitely the number one guy, biggest expert there is. And the two teams, he can't stop talking about OG. It's pissing me (laughs) off, Um, but he, his prediction is Fred VanVleet, number one to go. And then landing spots for OG, either New Orleans or Memphis. And, yeah, he'd be scary on both those things. I think Memf- uh, New Orleans actually needs a little bit more offense, um, surprisingly. like they, There's definitely shown to be more of a void offensively without Zion and Ingram currently. You know, I thought they'd be playing a little bit better without those teams because I really liked their depth. Um, going into like preseason predictions and stuff like that. But there's definitely a void that needs to be filled offensively for them. I don't know if OG can provide that.
1: Yeah, the the thing is their their timeline's a l- little weird because they have like old like older players in like CJ and Jonas. Like like a decently young guy in Brennan Ingram, but they have young players in like Zion, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. So I don't think it's their time. I don't know if they're going to make that move. That's a big, that's a lot to give. But they also have a lot of picks. They have all the Lakers picks from the AD trade that they can definitely move up and, you know, upgrade the roster. Even if it's not acquiring OG for this year, maybe they make that move and see what, you know, what happens for the rest of the year and get that player experience. So it might not be a this year type move, but it could be a move that they make this year, but it's for the future. So I could definitely see that. They have a lot of draft assets. They have young, good players like Trey Murphy's really going getting or getting into the zone Herb Jones as well Dyson Daniels if we can somehow get Dyson Daniels that'd be legit so yeah they got a lot of a lot of a lot of assets it's just how how they want to construct their roster especially with so many question marks around BI and Zion
0: yeah well I think the next episode we'll probably do is uh post-trade deadline reactions I would or yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. um but yeah, before, before we uh, wrap things up, why don't we just quickly talk about the all-star game Um, little bit of controversy with the starting fives, uh, at least in my opinion, because, you know, the starting fives this year, Giannis, Durant, Tatum, Mitchell, Kyrie. Um, What do you think about that starting five, Twan? Would you have had it that way or did you have another player? So I, They're not not really snubs because all those guys are
1: so sick. You know, like if you like the only like maybe two guys I would say like MB not being a starter is a like is the one that kind of pops out the page. But are you gonna pick him over KD Tatum or Giannis? Like maybe KD just because he's missed a few more games. Um, and then from from the guards, I don't know. Kyrie's been playing tremendously. Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his goddamn mind after dropping 70, what, 71? The only person I would say is like Jalen Brown could have been a potential starter at the guard spot over Mitchell or over Kyrie just because of how well Boston's playing. Uh, but I really have, yeah, I don't have any issues with with how the like the votes turned out and how um it all accumulated to to the starting five in the east. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't mind it at all. I actually like there's sure you can nitpick and
0: um say this and that, but I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of I don't even I don't care too much about this particular like I shouldn't say I don't care too much about him, but I'm just kind of sick of seeing Embiid getting shafted. Like he he's playing way too good to be getting shafted. But yeah, I mean Tatum is there, he's he's a solid piece. You can't move him. Too bad he can't be a guard. But I guess he's not. Um, no, he's not. And then I was just thinking, Katie, because the games played, I would have yeah. probably, I probably would have made that switch. And Giannis is Giannis. He's the he's the general, right? So you can't take that away from him. Uh, Kenny the Smith, Kenny Smith uh, made a really good point. You know, both or all three of them, Tatum, Giannis, and um, Katie have all been to the been to the finals semi recently, right? So something to be said about. Winning and what that does to your exposure, and how that uh, that how that incorporates, you know, fan votes, et cetera, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it is it is kind of uh, lame to see Embiid continuously get shafted. But the other player was Kyrie. Like, man, this guy missed like half the first half of the season, right? So, I probably have actually would have put Harden in there instead of Kyrie. um I think Harden's having a sneaky good year. You know, he's been doing a lot for Philly and he's doing a really good job facilitating, uh, scoring, kind of doing everything. But it is a popularity contest. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And Kyrie, like you say, from like a shoe and marketing standpoint, he is number one, even though he got dropped by Nike. Yeah, he is number one.
1: Yeah, he's the... He was. Yeah, he was a commercial driver for Nike. Yeah.
0: So... Has he picked up a contract with any other uh, sports apparel? Like, is he wearing Nike shoes? Uh, I think he's wearing his own shoes, but he—I saw him like
1: tape up the logo. I'm not sure if that's still a thing. I, I haven't really been keeping track, but yeah, he's—he's he's been dropped. No, nothing that I hear. I'm sure if—if if anything happened, we'd hear about it. I'm not—I'm not sure if like a China brand will come in and swoop him up, or one of the lesser-known uh, U.S. brands, but. I could totally I could totally see one of the 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 China brands like Anta or uh Li-Ning definitely as an option, right? So, yeah, it it's it's definitely interesting cuz he does sell sneakers uh very well to the younger younger kids like I was the, thinking New
0: Balance. I don't know. Just because New that Balance, that Uncle Drew old guy New Balance boring <laughs> shoes little angle there. Like, uh, well, I don't know. They they have like um, they have a good young roster.
1: They had Jamal on that on New Balance, obviously Kawhi. I think Tyrese Maxey just signed with them too. Um, I'm not really sure what the what their direction is, but they're 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 trying to be a player, but it's I don't know. They don't have that roster yet.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move to the West. Um, West is stacked, man. West has a really good team. <laughs> But I had a, I was actually surprised about a couple of things. So we got Curry and Doncic, we got LeBron, we got Jokic, yeah. and we got Zion. Um, yep. Would you have seen it any different?
1: Ooh, so I Zion is the only one because of games missed. I'm surprised he made it. To be honest, um, I probably would have given it to like. Possibly Sabonis.
0: That's who I would have done too because you, know, you looked just... at the if you looked at like the fan media vote, et cetera. Man, A D was like third in votes, which is just bullshit. Yes. Um yeah. And then it was um here, I got it here. It was Lebron Jokic Zion, Anthony Davis, Lori Markinen, and DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah and i just like zion has missed 20 plus games for the first half of the season that's just way too much
1: yeah yeah i'm surprised that he got that much in terms of player voting and media voting um like he was third so zion was third in player rank fourth in media rank i'm not surprised i was fourth in fan rank i actually thought he'd be more, like higher to be honest um yeah that's 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 the only discrepancy that i would see there is that zion definitely doesn't deserve even though he's played really really well this season it's just he's missed too many games like he's still an all-star but i don't think he's an all-star starter no um but again the, the the front court in the in the west is kind of it's not the greatest i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to downplay bonus season but he's not like yeah i don't know in every other year i wouldn't have him even in consideration um if ad's healthy PG is healthy, right? So, um, yeah, that's the only thing. I think Zion doesn't deserve it just based off of the games played, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and from a popularity standpoint, I think it's, there's a really interesting wrinkle with John Morant because he's mm. kind of cornered. You know, we, Steph Curry's not going anywhere. Steph Curry's going to be the most popular player until he's no longer playing basketball, uh, and rightfully so, right? He's he's a one-of-one one in the NBA but I was very surprised that Luka Doncic had more votes than John Morant because I kind of saw John Morant as that 1A, 1B with Steph Curry as the most electrifying, most popular player in the NBA. And there's definitely going to be a thing for years to come because, you know, Luka's probably going to continue to only get greater. And John Morant, you know... I, I believe deserves that recognition too. Like I personally, like if I was blindfolded and I couldn't see the numbers, I would have thought John Morant was would surpass Luka Doncic in all voting.
1: Just in because, voting?
0: just because all star the all star game can be very irrational.
1: Yeah, I, I I I'm surprised that he was third. Like, uh, Jaw was third in fan voting, and Luka was second. That's the only one I. I think the media knows that Luca's is obviously better and the players know that Luka is a better player. Um, this is also why I would say for with how the NBA is being like currently played the positionless basketball, then why not just have positionless voting? Like why is Zion Williams, like Williamson a starter just because he's classified as a front court player? Why isn't John Morant or a Shea Gilgis Gil- Gil- Alexander more deserving of that award or the award or just like the, that recognition um, instead of a guy that, again, hasn't played half the season. So that's my only thing. I think that's an easy fix, but the league is so like traditional in the way that they think that they won't move away from that because it might impact history or whatever that is, you know? So I don't know. I think that's an easy way because you just want the five best players starting or at least the most popular slash player media vote and just let those guys play and they'll figure it out because the league is different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So, right, that, that, you know, definitely John ja, Morant, Shea deserve it more than Zion, but just the way it's constructed the the framework they put in into like front court and guards, then that's the reason why he's jaw isn't starting, but he should be.
0: Yeah. He absolutely should be. Yeah. um, Yeah. So good chat. Should we good. Get- should we get this uh this next week I think the n b a is gonna be on fire um yes sir. there's a little bit there's a little bit of a uh, seems a little quiet right now but uh, things, are, oh. things are things are gonna start to things are gonna start to rumble. I'm really looking forward to this evening game we got um who's who's playing uh denver new orleans denver New orleans
1: great game who else ooh Yeah, not that big of a slate today, but gonna be a good game,
0: you know. That's the other thing, you know, things that we didn't talk about just how kind of effed the Mavericks are, which we can talk about another day. You know, Luca just playing so well, his usage hasn't (laughs) changed, it's just continuously going up. And I don't know what the future of that team holds. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I I have a lot of
1: thoughts on that too. Brunson as the number one thought, but. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. He might be an all-star this year. And that's going to be a bad look on the mass or just letting
0: him go like that. Yeah. Um, and I think another topic, like, look, we're talking about this game, like can't wait for um, Denver, New Orleans. Well, Zion's not playing, but he's obviously injured, but there's been a lot of load management. There's been a lot of resting guys and just the NBA kind of not capitalizing on matchups, which is kind of the lifeblood of the league. Mm-hmm. superstars the matchups that kind of thing so definitely stuff to consider talking about next episode
1: yeah i know there's oh yeah a lot of discussions on how you fix that but yeah let's let's uh keep that for a future episode i'm excited to lead the discussions after trade deadline and uh yeah let's get back into the the groove of things again absolutely man well good
0: chat good talk to yeah you.
1: yeah thanks for hosting today it was great great yeah, intro no problem nice to be back Yes, sir. We'll be Hi, in touch. Brother. Hopefully right, brother, not too care.
0: many changes on the Raptor front, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. All right. See better Yeah.